Welcome back to the Average to Savage Show with Scaletti, a podcast that will help you overcome your limiting beliefs, setbacks, and fears to create the life you were destined to live. Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. We are going to dive in on one of the most insane events I've ever done in my entire life. It's called a quintuple anvil. And by the way, if you've never done endurance racing before, this podcast episode is still for you 100%. The takeaways I'm going to give you after telling this story have nothing to do with endurance racing and have much more to do with life in general. This event was down in Virginia, Lake Anna, Virginia, called a quintuple anvil. You basically start out in a lake, you swim 12 miles, which was 30 loops in this course uh, in the lake. Then you get out of the lake, jump on a bike, and you bike 560 miles, which is five times an Ironman distance for all of these. Then you finish the bike. And you put on your running shoes and you run 131 miles. You have five days to complete this. And I can say coming into this event, I had never done any of those three distances before. The most I had swam before, I think was three and a half miles. The most I had biked was 300 miles. I had to do 560. And the most I had run was 100 miles. I had to do 131. I would be putting out PRs, records, personal records for myself for all three of these disciplines. And of course, that scared the crap out of me because I've never done any of those distances before. At the same time, I'm excited. I was stoked. I was just curious to see what I could get through physically and mentally and have some fun with it and meet some other crazies out there that were unbelievably impressive there was only 13 people in the whole event and i obviously got a chance to meet the other 12 at the pre-race dinner and then on the course the most inspiring fun intense hardcore athletes these are legitimately the best endurance athletes arguably in the world the one guy had set the world record for doing the most Ironman triathlons ever. One guy was arguably the best endurance athlete on the planet or one of them in the triathlon space. And the rest of them were just studs, absolute savages. And to be out there with 12 other people that were that impressive in itself made it worth it just to connect with those people and feel the vibes that they had. We start out in the water, it's cool. The water, I think they said was 68 degrees when we jumped in, but it was like 40 degrees outside and windy. I did not realize this because I don't do a ton of open water swimming, but apparently the waves, the wake were much more choppy than expected. And I did realize that about halfway through, we were getting smacked around pretty good for the last six miles there was a 3% chance of rain and it poured when I got out of the lake to get onto the bike. Just the swim part is more to me of like a grind. You just keep swimming and swimming and swimming. 
and you're legitimately in the lake swimming for probably nine and a half of the 10 hours I was in there, I was swimming. The rest of the time was just consuming some food, some nutrition, some hydration, and then boom, jumping back in. It was definitely cold. I was glad to get, they have like a warm shower station. Once you get out, I stood under there for probably 10 or 12 minutes and then hopped on the bike and I'm on my way. I felt pretty good after the swim, all things considered. The most I had really <clears throat> swam was, let's say, four miles. This was 12. So it was three times longer than I had ever gone. Feeling pretty good after setting my personal record 3x what it was before. Hopping on the bike. This was Monday. The event started on Monday morning, 7 a.m. We jumped into the lake. It is now 6 p.m. because it took me 10 hours to do the swim. And then I showered, got my stuff together, got my bike stuff on. Boom. And I start biking. It gets dark at 7 p.m. I only got a chance to see the course. It was a five-mile out-and-back course for the bike. I only saw it probably twice before it got dark, and then I had to put my lights on. I decided, and this is where it gets really interesting with the whole event, I biked straight through the night into the next night. Straight overnight, Monday night, into Tuesday, into Tuesday night. And I don't think I stopped until around midnight on Tuesday night, 11 o'clock, midnight, something like that. So I had been biking for over 24 hours. I think I was just over 230, 250 miles in at that point and feeling, <clears throat> feeling pretty good. The back of my upper calf, my left upper calf was starting to really bother me. And I wasn't sure why? Because I never really had an injury back there before. I've had knee injuries, a lot of knee injuries, but never in the back of the calf. And it was just felt like somebody was punching my calf every time I was pushing down on the bike pedal. I figured, okay, let's get some rest. I've been biking over 24 hours at this point. We're 250 plus miles into the 560 mile bike ride. We're almost halfway there. That's a good stopping point. And this is the first time I slept it was Tuesday night into Wednesday morning. I slept from about midnight until three o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Got up, got my clothes back on, hopped back on the bike. And the calf was still in significant pain, more than I expected. I was hoping after stopping for three plus hours, it would start to feel better. And it, it didn't really. And that was a little bit of a concern. And then the situation happened that looking back, I mean, I try not to kick myself for this, but what can you do? I'm clearly sleep deprived. We all are. I've slept three hours in the last 48 hours, whatever it was. So about 4.30 in the morning on Wednesday morning, I had just hopped back on the bike for about an hour and a half. I was almost halfway done with the bike. And I came into the to take a pit stop to get some food and drink some water, et cetera. And the way I got off my bike, which first thing I did wrong was since my left calf was the one that was really bothering me, I should have dismounted on the right side and put my right foot down first because there's an impact there. When you get off the bike, even if you're good at it, there's at least a little bit of an impact. 
I got off on the left side of the bike and it was a really awkward, I had way too much impact on my left foot. And for the first time in my life, I felt my left calf, the, the upper left calf, just there was a massive popping sound. And it was, and then I went down, I was on the ground and I, I was struggling to get myself back up. And thank goodness, one of the other athletes, crew members came over and he helped me to my feet. And I hobbled my way over to my chair and sat down knowing something was very wrong. Just a pop like that just didn't seem like a very good sign at that stage of the game. And I sat there and it was I was having a really hard time because I knew something was wrong. I'll push through pain all day long. Soreness, no problem. But if it's an injury, that's where I try to smarten up and, and draw the line. Walking around on it, I go see they have like a masseuse medical team. I go see them. They're pushing in just to try to figure out how bad it is. Clearly, I'm in a lot of pain as they're doing that. And we figured I'll just hop back on the bike and see what happens. And what happened was, and I think this is where the shift really started happening for me. And this is where I get even emotional thinking about it. At this point, when I got back on the bike, I was basically biking with my whole right foot. My left leg was doing maybe 10% of the work. My right leg was doing 90%. And it was just because I didn't want to make it worse. And what I realized as I was biking and I told the race director, Craig, this in the middle of this, this is a few hours into the injury and just biking on my right leg. I said, I'm not afraid anymore. I got goosebumps just saying that. And he said, tell me more. I said, I believe I've had a huge fear of failure in many areas of life, but especially with this fitness and endurance racing, I've had this huge fear of having a blemish on my resume. If I screw up, if I don't finish an event. And I think that's probably stopped me from, I've done some very intense events. I don't want to say that, but I think it stopped me from leveling up even more than I want to it's it has stopped me from leveling up more because I'm scared to fail. And when this happened with my calf, it, it would not be impossible to run 131 miles, but it would probably be impossible to run 131 miles without doing significant damage to my body. I almost felt a sense of freedom because at that's at this stage, I figured I would not be able to run and just focus on the bike and see how far I can go on the bike. And it was like a weight lifted off of me almost because that fear was now gone. The reality was setting in of this may not happen because I don't, I don't want to do significant permanent damage to my body. And that's okay. I'm not afraid anymore. I can just enjoy this, see how far my one leg will get me and let it go. And where I get emotional is it's I'm thinking it it doesn't doesn't take another trophy and it should not take you another trophy for you to feel like you're enough. I think a lot of my 
confidence, my self-esteem has been tied into succeeding. And I'm going to get emotional. (laughs) Succeeding in these fitness events, in these endurance events. But I'm realizing as I'm out there and this injury happens, I'm enough now. I'm enough whether I bike another mile or another 200 miles. I'm enough if I finish this event or I don't finish this event. With that mentality and a new drive and new energy inside of me, I biked another 200 miles with just my right leg. My left leg is legitimately just dangling there. I had to hop off the bike on the right-hand side. I didn't want anyone to see this that was watching. I made sure I didn't have to walk anywhere. I biked right up to the bathrooms. I biked right up to where my tent was. And so I could just sit down immediately, eat my food, hop back on the bike. I eventually got to about 450 miles in and I could just feel my body, my left leg in particular, and my left Achilles was starting to feel it. And then the other thing that started to happen was my right foot, since I was overcompensating so much, was starting to really get some wear and tear. And when my Achilles starts getting uncomfortable, I do get a little paranoid because for those that know me, I tore my Achilles a few years ago by overrunning, overtraining, and I don't want that to happen again. So I shut it down, which was, that was probably the toughest decision I've ever made in an event shutting it down 450 miles into the bike. I had 110 miles to go on the bike. And then I had to run 131 miles still. The time was fine. I I was way ahead of the pace of where I wanted to be. That was fine. I just still struggle. I don't want to do permanent damage to my body. And I'll say this. Do I think I could have finished this event? Probably. Do I think I could have finished the event without doing significant damage to my body? No. I think I would have really hurt my Achilles. I think I would have probably torn a muscle if I didn't already tear one. I'm recording this just days after the event. I still don't have a diagnosis on what's wrong with my leg yet. But I I would almost guarantee I would not run for a year had I finish this event. And to me, that's not worth it because I've been there. I've torn the Achilles and been out for 15 months. It was one of the worst 15 month stretches of my life. I prefer if I can avoid it to not go through that again. If I can avoid it, I'm going to try to avoid it at all costs. Shutting it down was one of the toughest decisions ever. But I think Taking that short-term quote-unquote loss, if you want to call it that, for long-term success was a wise move. And I want to share what I learned. Here's what I learned. First off, you've heard me say this before, if you follow any of my content, we are capable of so much more. So much more. I'm convinced of this every single day. I went from a four-mile swim to 12 miles. Three times the distance. Three times the best I'd ever brought in my life in this event. Furthest I'd biked, 300 miles. I biked 450 miles. 200 of them were on one leg. 
We are capable of so much more. And I still want to find out how much more. For those of you wondering, yes, I want to get back on this horse and, fi and finish this 5X Quint event that I started. Hopefully next year it'll happen. We'll see. That's the first thing I learned. We are all capable. You are capable of so much more. Will you go out there and push yourself enough to find it? The second thing I learned and realized was there is always another level. <laughs> These athletes out here, arguably the best in the world in endurance triathlon events, there's always another level. There was, I think there was 12 of us. It was 13 or 12. I think it was 12 of us. Six DNF did not finish and six did finish. Six finished the toughest event. Some say it's the toughest event in the United States. It's incredible to see these athletes push through pain, discomfort. Some probably push through injury. Hopefully not, but some may have. But there's just always another level. And I love that. No matter where you are in business, in health, in your relationship, there's always another level higher. And that to me, that's not sad. It's not like, oh, that stinks. I'm never going to get there because I can always get better. That's exciting. You can always get better in every area of your life. There's nothing more exciting than that, in my opinion. The third thing I learned is people are amazing. If you get around the right ones at this event, there are the most selfless people I've ever been around volunteers who are volunteering sometimes 20 out of 24 hours a day for multiple days. One guy, I think he was only going to sleep three hours a night for a week, just to volunteer, just to help out. He just wanted to be around the athletes and the environment, but that is selfless. That's a selfless hero right there. The other athletes, we're all supporting one another. The other athletes crew, I was the only athlete there that did not bring a crew with me. And some had multiple people there. Next year, next time I do this, I will bring a crew. That's for sure. But I, I basically had a crew because everybody was willing to help me out. Everybody was helping other people out. If somebody needed something. If they needed a food or a foam roller or a Theragun, they, there was somebody there to help them out. People are amazing. And the final thing is this. This has nothing to do with, it doesn't have to be fitness, endurance racing. In life, the comeback is more powerful than the setback. If you believe that. The comeback is more powerful than the setback. The setback sucks. I, I do races and events where it's dangerous. The risk of injury is high, but I love it. And I realize there's going to be setbacks. You're not going to be in this sport for years and years and not have setbacks. But retraining yourself and setting yourself up for the comeback and recovering and getting ready for the next event that's so much more powerful than the setback is negative. Wherever you are, and I think that's anything in life, whatever you've dealt with, it's possible to make a comeback. Yes, even if you've dealt with death of a family member, even if you've dealt with bankruptcy, even if you've dealt with alcoholism, 
drug addiction, you can come back from this if you believe it. The comeback is more powerful than the setback. I beg of you to believe in that quote because it's if you believe it, it's going to be true. Those are the takeaways I got. The outcome was not what I hoped for as far as completing this event, but I think I almost got more takeaways in not completing it. I think I learned more about myself in not completing the event than I may have learned if I did complete it. And it's also lighting a deeper fire inside of me to keep pushing, keep learning about my body, my mind, keep growing, keep getting better and getting excited for whatever is on the other side, whatever is next. I love you all for your text your calls, your video messages, your DMs. It's been overwhelming in such a massive way. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you learned something. I hope you got something out of it. And you know what we're going to do. See you next week. Stay savage. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment if you enjoyed the show. To follow on social media, at Matt Scaletti on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Feel free to shoot me a message, reach out. I'd love to hear feedback and wishing you an amazing rest of your week.